This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, It's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Hello, everybody. Uh, So we we have an incredible show for you. Uh, We have four brilliant contestants coming up soon to play some nerdy games with us. Uh, Right now they are backstage experimenting with natural deodorant. Uh, just to remind themselves that none of them work, but uh, soon they'll be up here, and one of them will be our big winner, and you've come to a pretty interesting show. We have two special guests. One is singer-songwriter Jill Sobuel. Very excited to have her. I discovered Jill in the 1990s. Her hit, Supermodel, was featured in the movie Clueless. Yeah. Uh, and we have another special guest. We have an amazing stand up comic, amazing comedian all around. Tom Arnold is going to be up here. Yeah. Tom Arnold right now has a show on Viceland called The Hunt for the Trump Tapes, where he tries to expose incriminating recordings of Donald Trump. Yeah, the guy is like a walking, talky, controversy renaissance man. Basically, everything he touches turns to scandal, so I'm excited. He's going to juice up my profile by being on this stage. Because right now, if you Google me, I'll tell you what comes up. Books, bangs, and facts about Canada. All right? So help me, Tom. Help me make it better. Uh, Tom Arnold also became a father way later in life. Like me, I became a mother way later in life. Uh, which it's a little bit different when you become a parent later in life as a woman, of course, because you are treated pretty interestingly by the medical community when you get pregnant at an advanced maternal age. Uh, I remember being told that I was both high risk and an inspiration. <laughs> so that was fun. I'm impressed that I actually had my child biologically. Uh, but we're raising him adopted because... <laughs> I want him to feel chosen. I want him to feel chosen. (laughs) This show somehow actually became like a 90s theme show. We didn't anticipate that until we brought it together. I'm nostalgic for the 90s. Yeah, are you? Yeah, I I lived through the 90s. I like the 90s. Yeah, I can't think of anything I really miss from the 90s. Nothing? Uh, I don't know. Grunge music? Grunge. No. No? (laughs) Plaid's back. Plaid's back. Uh, did plaid ever really go away? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How embarrassing. Did. I've been wearing it all back. the way through. I know. I didn't know I was going to have to buy plaid for the third time in my life. <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, all right, everybody. Let's meet some contestants and play some games. First up, we have a game about units of measurement. So get your units ready because we're going to measure them. Let's meet our contestants. First up, Laura Gratz. You're an administrator at a nonprofit art center, and you have a close group of friends that you've known since kindergarten with a, a lifelong dream to move to Malta with them? It's true. And why would you move to Malta with all of your friends? What is it about Malta? I've never been to Malta, yeah. but my friend who's here, her, her mother was in Malta filming a movie when we were kids, and I was thought it was the most glamorous place. You were, like, enamored by and the idea. And I've always wanted to move there, and I want to have a place for all my friends, different houses, a compound. We'll all go retire there. <laughs> You're going to make a kibbutz of yes, some point. exactly. Okay, very good. All right, Laura, when you ring in, we're going to hear this. Your opponent is Brandon Beiser. You're a business intelligence analyst at Forbes. Wow. Okay, so here's my question. How much intelligent business is there happening out there? So much. A lot of intelligent business? A lot of intelligent business. Okay, give me one example of intelligent business. Uh, We just ranked the Dallas Cowboys as the number one NFL franchise. 
which was a lot of, you got a lot of booze in New York for that. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, we also had Kylie Jenner on the cover of our magazine. Sure, okay. So that was another boo. I can't tell if you're making your case here or not. When you ring in, we're going to hear this. Laura, Brandon, whoever has more points after two games will go on to the final round. This is a guessing game called Measured Response. So in this game, Jonathan and I are going to give you historical measurement facts. You are going to ring in and tell us if it's real or something we made up. But be careful, because if you guess incorrectly, your opponent automatically gets the point. So let's do it. According to Britannica, in the 16th century, a rod, which is five and a half yards, was commonly understood to be, quote, the length of the left feet of 16 men lined up heel to toe as they emerged from church. True or false? Laura. False. Yeah, it seems crazy, right? No, that's true. Yeah, that's true. It was called the Catholic centipede. No. (laughs) No, it was not. Oh, (laughs) boy. When the metric system was introduced in the late 1700s, the length of one meter was defined as the distance from the North Pole to the equator divided by 10 million. Brandon. True. Yeah, that is true. You're right. I don't know who measured that in the late 1700s, but that was one weird summer job. (laughs) In ancient Egypt, one second was commonly understood to be the time it took for a cat to whip its tail back and forth. True or false? Laura? False. Yeah, that's false. Of course it is. It's the time between a cat looking at you and scratching your eyes out. That is, that's a millisecond, actually. One carat, which is a measured jeweler still used today, was equal to the weight of four wheat grains or three barley corns. Brandon. True. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Wish I knew that when my ex proposed to me with 42 barley corns. I was just like, that's weird. <laughs> now I know that would have been many, many carats. You still wear them on your finger I to this do, day? yeah. I sleep on my barley corns. <laughs> A cord is a measurement of a stack of dry firewood. It was originally defined as the size of eight burly lumberjacks in a huddle. True or false? Laura. That has to be false. Yeah, that's false. You are correct. This is your last clue. As of this recording, a kilogram is defined as the mass of one specific cylinder made of platinum iridium Kept at the International Bureau of Weights and Measures in France. True or false? Brandon. True. Yep, that is absolutely true. But there's big kilogram news. There is big kilogram news. Yeah, it is expected that the official definition of a kilogram will change in November 2018. That's right, right around the corner. Because according to the National Institute of Standards and Technology, instead of being based on a physical artifact, the kilogram will be expressed, quote, in terms of a quantum mechanical quantity known as the Planck constant. Right, that's what I've been saying all along. I know. (laughs) They finally got my letters. (laughs) Okay, that was a great game. Brandon, you are in the lead. Next, we have a game about podcasts, otherwise known as every television broadcaster's plan B and every comedian's plan A. <laughs> Laura, are theme songs important? Yes, definitely. Why? Well, I know what's coming up, and I love the theme song to this show. That is written by the one and only Jonathan Colton, by the way. True. Thank you. Thank you very much. We have a special licensing agreement with him where every time it plays, he gets zero dollars. That's right. I have to send an invoice, though. In In this audio quiz, we're going to play you a podcast theme music. You are going to ring in and identify the podcast. And guess what? The points are double. Brandon, stay in the lead, and you're in the final round. Laura, you need to get more points, or you have to give Ask Me Another five stars on iTunes. (laughs) Here we go. This show is hosted by former aides to Barack Obama. 
Brandon. Speaker of the House? You're in the right zone, but that is not the name of the podcast. Laura, can you steal? Pod Save America? Yeah, that's correct. I thought this podcast was going to be about breakfast, not murder. Brandon. Martinis and murder? No, that is not what we're looking for. Laura, can you steal? Cereal. That is from Cereal. That's right. This podcast is hosted by Kid Fury and Crystal, who, according to the description, are trying to adjust to life and rats in the big city. Okay, Hamba, I'll give you a hint. The title sounds like what you do with a book. Brandon. Crack it open. <laughs> I would also listen to that podcast. Good podcast, man. <laughs> crack it open. I don't know what it's about. We're going to crack I'm, it open today. Uh, on. Just <laughs> crack it open. Yeah, exactly. Good title. You are coming up with podcast pitches. Do you understand that? <laughs> Laura, can you steal? I'm sorry. Open it up. Also a great idea. It's called The Read. Oh. Yeah, well, I know. All right, this is your last clue. If you were feeling maybe just too good in the morning, why not bring down your mood with this news podcast from the New York Times? <laughs> that was quick, Brandon. The Daily. That is correct, yes. Uh, we actually have a tie. So wow. here we go with your tiebreaker question. I'm going to ask you for a year. You're going to ring in, and whoever is closest moves on to our final round. So here we go. What year was the first generation iPod released? Brandon. 2001. Yeah, that's correct. Well done. After two games, Brandon is going on to our final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Brandon in our final round, and I'll talk to comedian Tom Arnold. This is the first time Tom's been on NPR in 16 years, and soon we'll find out why. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Listen to Embedded for moments that stay with you. I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust. Voices that resonate. <laughs> Stories that change the way you think about your life. How, how did we get here? The Embedded Podcast is NPR's home for original documentary series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, close your eyes for a second. Now imagine you're on your dream vacation. No work calls to answer. No text messages to respond to. Just your suitcase and an opportunity. The opportunity to just take yourself out of your routine and travel deeper. How to actually take that dream trip. That's on the Life Kit podcast from NPR. Do you ever wish you could get your stories in three hours rather than three minutes? Or maybe you're sick of doom scrolling, getting your news in bits and pieces. That is where Embedded comes in. We bring you documentary series that will change the way you think about things. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. It's time to welcome our first special guest. He starred with Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies and hosted the best damn sports show, period. His latest project is The Hunt for the Trump Tapes. Please welcome Tom Arnold. Welcome to Ask Me Another. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I know that you're traveling right now doing stand-up. Yeah, feeling it out, you know. Yeah, and you started stand-up while you were at University of Iowa. I did. I mean, my whole dream growing up was to get out of Ottumwa, not work at the meat. My grandpa worked at the meatpack plant for 50 years. Okay. You know, my dad worked there. And uh, in three years, I worked over three years to save money to go to the University of Iowa. And, uh, and if you work at a meatpacking plant, 
especially on the kill floor, two things are for sure. One, you will get very drunk every night. And two, two, you have crazy dreams like your best friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then you wake up and it's, it's 4.45 a.m. And you realize, oh, my God, I live in a tumble, Iowa. I work at the Hormel Bee Packing Plant. I would never even meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. Cut to 10 years later, your best friends are Arnold Schwarzenegger. Your best so friends anyway, are Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, but, but I, uh, you know, I saved money to go to the University of Iowa because I knew they had a, like a student union with the stage. Yeah. And I thought, boy, if I get on that stage, I could become a comic and then everybody would love me. That's, <laughs> Part, that's how it that's always true. starts. And, uh, but no, I love it. I've been doing it since 1982 or 81, you know. So the, your first comedy routine oh, yes. uh, is a prop comedy routine. It, well, it's an animal. Live it's an animal. animal. Live it's uh, Tom Arnold and the fabulous Goldfish, Goldfish yes, Review. Yes. And what did you do in this well, review? There was a comedian named Joel Hodgson. He created this thing called Mystery Science 2000 or 3000. Yes! And he, he came to Iowa City, and he was a great comic, and he performed, and I opened up for him. And he said, Tommy, you need to be different than other comics. You, you need to have a hook. And I was in my, my house there in, uh, on uh, Gilbert, Iowa City, and I thought, i got to be different. I looked around my room, and there was a fish tank, and I, I, a goldfish tank. I said, oh, I'm going to be the goldfish comic. And so I started using goldfish and did tricks and stunts. This is for real. Yeah. And uh, one was a you know sword swallower, and one did an impression of the Pope. One rode a motorcycle through a ring of fire. And uh, <laughs> for real. And, uh, and uh, you know, as, as the act went on, I realized people actually care about goldfish. Like you know, they're starting to get angry because bad things were happening to them. But and, uh, <laughs> you know, which, you know, after working at a meatpacking plant, you think, oh right, my the- gosh, wow. But. Uh, <laughs> But the, you were like uh, goldfish. But uh, yeah, it I was, was the goldfish. 80s too. They did People. tricks and stunts, and yeah. uh, you know, had it was a fun act, you know. And uh, but that's why I did it first. I realized, oh, I got to be myself. Plus, I was exactly like Joel Hodgson. I talked like him. And then when I moved to Minneapolis, you know, to start my career, he actually came and saw me. And go, oh yeah, yeah, you're exactly like me. I go, I know. He goes, no, you can't do that. Yeah, right, you can't yeah. be like that at I all. I didn't know. Now, you start as a warm-up comic for the pilot episode of Roseanne in 1988. Yeah, well, actually, first, I, she came to, in 1983, she came to Minneapolis to perform. She was a comic out of Denver, and she wasn't uh, famous yet, but she was so funny. Yeah. And I, I, I opened up for her. You know, she was killer funny, and, uh, and she said I was funny, which, by the way, if you want a guy to like you, uh, uh, we already know we're good looking. So, but you tell us we're funny and we're forever. That's all. Right. And I said, Do you want to go party? And then, like, three days later, uh, we let the, uh, the MC have her car back. And uh, it was like, <laughs> but then, you know, she said, Do you want to write some jokes for me? Sure. I'm going to start going on TV. And I did. In 1985, she went on Johnny Carson and used some of the jokes I did, but she killed. Like, she. So it was so funny. I, I remember being back in Minneapolis, like, that's my friend. Look how amazing she is. And then she said, I'm going to have a, a sitcom. Would you write on it? And I said, absolutely, because I'd been writing her b- material for her. Sure. And I knew her character. I came out in 1988 to write it. And I also was the audience warm up on the pilot. I was the worst audience warm up. Well, audience <laughs> warm up is a hard job. Super hard. Yeah, I was terrible. And so basically, I got. I worked my way up from audience. I was so bad at each job, I just eventually became executive producer. Exactly, right. Yeah. And you were, well, you were also and the character, then, of, character of Artie on the show. And then lost it all one day. It was good. So I'm just trying to think. So 92, you, you know, the show is doing amazing. It gets a Peabody. In 1994, two years later, yes. you star in True Lies. Well, thank God, because I got so- fired. Right? Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. In 19, April 1994, uh, uh, Roseanne files for divorce, and I lost my job the same day. I know it's a weird coincidence, and I remember, <laughs> and people, people unanimously were like, "He has no talent. He wrote a coattails. He'll be back in Iowa in two weeks." And I'm like, "You know what? They're probably right. But you know what? I got, <laughs> I got the best stories ever for my grandkids because I got to work for six years on one of the best shows of television ever. I had the best experiences. I got to produce, write, act with the best actors." For real. Yeah. And Jim Cameron and Arnold Schwarzenegger are like, F those people. True Lies is coming out in two months. Man, you're going to prove out. I'm like, oh, God, I wish, I wish I could believe that. But honest to God, thank God I had done that movie because it literally turned people in their tracks because I had done that film while we're filming 
my last year of Roseanne. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those rare times where you just do something and, and it's that good. It's, right. It's such a great movie. And purportedly, James Cameron, who never lets anyone improv a line, right. let you ad-lib right. most of it? All, well, first of all, I had no idea how, how lucky I was to get that movie. And I had no idea that Jim Cameron went to bat for me with the studio. It was the most expensive movie ever made. And he had to go tell Fox Studios, hey, great news, we can start the movie because I found the guy. And they're like, that's great news, Jim. Who is it? Tom Arnold. Oh, no, that is, no, 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 that's horrible news. <laughs> and he had to say, okay, well, I'm taking the movie to Paramount. And I didn't know that. And uh, when they screened the movie the first time, and they came, Arnold Schwarzenegger, yay, Jimmy Lee Curtis, yay, Tom Arnold, people booed. <laughs> like, booed. But by the end of the two-hour movie, they scored it. The, I was the favorite person in a two-hour movie because of James Cameron, because of Arnold Schwarzenegger allowing it. It changed people's perspective wow. of me and a piece of art like that. Or be good. Thank God I was good this one time. You know, and that's what something like that could do with genius filmmakers. So, wow. boy, how lucky am I, That's right? a great story. So I assume every movie's going to be like that. Of course. And I've done a hundred cents, and it turns out none of them it's are like that. It's special. So, but I've been. But. So now you are doing the show on Viceland uh, called The Hunt for the Trump Tapes. I am. Is that, now, did Viceland come to you, or is this your idea? Oh, well, I, they apparently saw my Twitter feed, which I don't recommend unless you're... <laughs> but, you know, I'm living my life. You know, I'm a 59-year-old guy with a five-and-a-half-year-old son and a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and... Uh, you know, I'm not going to live forever. There's only so many times I can stand up for them and, and do something. And it turns out I know the guy that's the president. I've known him 30 years. I'm able to go, what the hell? In this moment, I feel I could do something for my kids. That's what I've been doing. And Viceland is like, well, we see your Twitter feed. Hey, would you like to do a show? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love it. Hey, I'd love to have some cameras on this journey for a little while. You know, on your show, because you know everybody in showbiz, you have a lot of interesting people on the show with you talking. I, I mean, a huge range. Judd Apatow's on it. Yeah. Maria Bamford is on it. Oh, my gosh, it. she's amazing. DeRay McKesson, who we had on the show oh, recently. Oh, yeah, he's, he's amazing, right? So uh, He's got that one vest, too. He's got the blue he wears that vest. vest a lot. Yeah, that's right. I love those guys. And, well, I you, and, and, you know, Maria Bamford, I have mental illness in common. I love her. Yeah, she's you know, and she's How much crap has she put up with? I mean, how many death threats? By the way, that's her thing. Ignore death threats from these guys. Ignore the threats of lawsuits. Ignore the threats of destroying your credibility. I have, honest to God, I have zero credibility. That's what they do. They try to destroy that. If you have none, it's amazing. It's amazing. I tell you. I'm not even kidding at all. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is that. Tom, how would you like an Ask Me Another Challenge? Yes. Okay, great. Oh, my gosh. So, Tom Arnold, before the show, we asked you, what would you like to play a game about? And you said that you're obsessed with sports comeback stories. I had no, yeah, because I had no hobbies. Yes, if I had hobbies. <laughs> so, yeah, so your game is called Everyone Loves a Comeback. And if you do well enough, listener Laura Langan from Minneapolis, Minnesota, oh is going to win and Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Okay, the biggest comeback in pro football happened in 1993. It was a playoff game known as the comeback. Who were the teams? Was it uh, Houston and, uh, was it Buffalo? Yes, no. that's okay. right. Buffalo Bills and Houston Oilers. Houston, Buffalo, yeah, yeah. That's right. Do yeah, that was crazy. Do you, want, you can just guess this if you don't know. How many points were the Buffalo Bills losing by before they turned it around to win in overtime? Was it uh, 30... Five? I know, I'm sorry. Oh, my God, 32. 32. Yeah, oh that was God. great. Oh, my God. Well done. Okay, the biggest comeback in hockey Stanley Cup playoffs happened in 1982, known as the Miracle on Manchester. Do you know well, who- that's got to be the Kings. Yeah, and? No. Well, oh, jeez Louise. Okay. It was the uh, Canadian team where Gretzky came from. Okay, Edmonton. It has to be Edmonton and, uh, and the, the Oilers. And what was the... Uh, yeah, that's right. Edmonton yeah, Oilers, Oilers and, the, and the Los Angeles Kings. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, there yeah. You go. Okay, thank you. Okay, how many points were the Kings losing by in the third period before they turned it around to win in overtime? I'm going to say the crazy seven. That's insane. Very close. Five. Okay, well, five. Yeah, that's, that's insane. I'm just yeah. guessing because of a... Yeah, they were losing 0-5 to five at the beginning of the third period. The final score was 6-5. to five I know, and... that's amazing. Okay, I got a couple more for you. During the 2004 baseball postseason, a team came back from a three-game... Boston de- Red Sox! <laughs> that's right. You were so excited, you actually leapt from your stool. Okay. 
That was that was the biggest comeback in uh, yeah in the world in the world in the world. It was impossible they did that. That's crazy. Yeah. Here's your final question: Who stars in the HBO series The Comeback? Oh my god! Oh my god! Lisa Kudrow, That's who I right, love, yes. who played my wife in Happy Endings. I love her. So That's right. How great is that show? That's so funny. It's a fact. That's awesome. All right. Okay, congratulations, Tom. You and Laura Langan won Ask Me Another Rubik's Cubes. You did it for Laura. That's amazing. The Hunt for the Trump Tapes with Tom Arnold airs on Viceland. It does. You can it's watch. really hard to find, apparently. <laughs> you can watch. It's all hard to find. Give it up for Tom Arnold, Thank you, everybody. Guys. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you dreaded trying to get the blue geography wedge in Trivial Pursuit, congratulations, you're probably the oldest person here. Also, we've got a game about world capitals coming up, but first, let's meet our contestants. First up, Sam Grossman, your freelance writer, and your most viewed article is about wine for cats. Yes, that's I have true. to hear about this immediately. There is wine for cats? There is. So a couple of years ago, I was covering inter- weird internet trends for Time Magazine. Um, so we found out that they had made non-alcoholic wine for cats out of catnip and Cabernet grapes. Um, <laughs> so um, I loved that. So my editor and I uh, decided we had to cover that, and we came up with the headline that a lot of other people stole. So if you see that oh. headline anywhere else know that it was originally mine. It was never drink alone again because now there's wine for cats. <laughs> okay, very good. When you ring in, we're going to hear this. Your opponent is David Grazian. You're a sociology professor and author who, quote, gets to live out fantasy jobs and write about them. Okay, so what fantasy job have you recently been able to live out? All right, so I spent four years as a volunteer zookeeper. Uh, to write a book about zoos, so I got to play with lots of animals and get bitten by only some of them. I'm a little uh, about zoos. Do I feel like that they are good places of great conservation and I should relook at it? You know what? I got to know a lot of zookeepers, yeah. and the zookeepers are really, really terrific. They don't get paid very much money, um, yeah. but they dedicate their lives to working with these animals, and they really, really care for them. Yeah. Um, so it helped me, helped me, made me feel a little differently about zoos. Interesting. Okay, so David, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Remember, Sam and David, whoever has more points after two games will go to our final round. Let's go to your first game. So we've combined geography and wordplay into a game called Word Capitals. Welcome to your nightmare. In this game, every answer is a country and a word that contains the consecutive letters of that country's capital. For example, if I said, don't get stung when you view a collection of beehives in this island nation east of Fiji, you would answer, apiary Samoa. Great. Okay, nobody (laughs) understands why. Because an apiary is a collection of beehives, and it contains apia, Samoa's capital. The pronunciation may or may not be the same as the city, but the spelling is, they will all be this hard or harder. Remember, we want the country and the word containing the capital city. Here's my advice. Ring in. Talk it out. We're here for you. At some point, this will end. (laughs) Here we go. Take pretentious black and white photographs of the Colosseum, the Venetian canals, and one of your friends pretending to hold up the leaning tower. Anything come to you about the country? Yes. Okay, you have the country (laughs) in your mind. And the next we're looking for a word for black and white that contains the capital of that country. Sam. Monochromatic Italy? Monochrome Italy. Yes! (laughs) That is it. I'm going to be so excited every single time. (laughs) Hiking the Alps, be sure to pack your army knife and a bottle of dry red wine. Sam. Cabernet, Switzerland. Yes. Wow. Burn, Switzerland being the capital. Well done. We never thought anyone would get that. Yeah. Those are the only two questions we had. We have to... I thought it was going to take longer. 
Be sure to use bug spray to ward off these blood-sucking insects as you explore the Amazon jungle and the Galapagos. Sam. Mosquito Ecuador. Yes! The capital of Ecuador is Quito. And did you know that only female mosquitoes bite? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the male mosquitoes mostly just check up on their fantasy teams. And (laughs) it's true. It's true. I'm taking time away from this northern Ohio liberal arts college to spend a semester abroad near the Brandenburg Gate. Sam. Oberlin, Germany. That's right. Oberlin, Germany. David, how you doing? Not yet. You all right? <laughs> We've got lots more games. Keep, keep them coming. Keep yeah, them okay, coming. keep them coming. Here we go. Prepare for your story's dramatic tension to reach its literary apex at Machu Picchu. Sam. It's per- Lima, Climax, Peru. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Sam, I literally don't know how you're doing this. Fold a square piece of paper into a swan in this Baltic state bordered by Estonia, Lithuania, Russia, and Belarus. David. Origami, Latvia. Yes. (laughs) Jeez. Here we go, smarties. It's what a county is called in Louisiana, and it's a... Religious thing, which you can appropriately ponder at Notre Dame Cathedral. David. Parish, France. That is correct. That was an amazing game. I I just applaud both of you for being part of that. (laughs) All right, great game. Sam is in the lead. Speaking of words and words, if you love the test in Contestant, you should take a quiz and be on our show. Go to amatickets.org. Coming up, Jill Sobuel is here. Jill is forever enshrined on one of the greatest 90s albums of all time, The Clueless Soundtrack. Her latest album, Nostalgia Kills, probably indicates that she doesn't want us to mention The Clueless Soundtrack. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. On It's Been a Minute, we're keeping you in the know when it comes to culture. I break down the latest trends and the forces behind them and introduce you to the creatives who think deeply about how we live today. Come for some good old cultural analysis and have a few laughs with me. Listen to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR. Moms know the ups and downs of life. It's what makes them great subjects for books. This is one of the things that fiction can do, right? It can give us a window into the battles that each person is waging or facing, but it doesn't mean that we condone her actions. This week on NPR's Book of the Day podcast, we are discussing books centering mothers. So call your mom, then tune into the Book of the Day podcast from NPR. With NPR Plus, there's more to hear, like extended interviews with some of the experts we talk to at Planet Money and The Indicator. It's a mistake for economists to only think about economic efficiency when considering policies because you'll actually wind up with a worse outcome. And with NPR Plus, you help keep NPR going. Learn more at plus.npr.org. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants, Sam and David. They're waiting backstage to play their second game. But first, it's time to welcome our next special guest. You know her from the 90s hits I Kissed a Girl and Supermodel. Please welcome musician Jill Sobule. Hello. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for coming to our show. I'm so excited you asked me. Yeah, it's great. So you have a new album, Nostalgia Kills, but we're going to get to that in a minute. But I was interested to find out that, you know, you've been playing for a long time, but you got a drum kit when you were five years old? Yeah, that was my first instrument. 
I was in love with Ringo Starr. And then so, somehow my parents convinced me that the guitar was a much nicer instrument. Now, was it gifted to you as a five-year-old? You know, one of those things where someone's like, ha, 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 we're no, going to give no, your kid a drum obsessed. kit. I was I just wanted to be a drummer. Really? Yeah. And so they're like, okay, we're going to get you a little yeah. kid drum and then, kit. And then they decided, no. <laughs> no. And so at, at what point did you start playing guitar? So right afterwards. So I... I my first guitar, I had an electric guitar, and I had a big amp, and I was like about two feet high. And, really? Uh, yeah. I was a shredder. From, right from the beginning? Right from the beginning. And then when did it turn into, this is my profession, this is what I'm doing for my love and my career forever? Oh, not till I dropped out my third year of college. Okay, so you go to so, college. Oh, yeah, I thought, like, who makes a living doing music? Yeah, right. No, so you know what happened? On my third year, I went to Spain, and my friends and I decided, well, let's go busk on the streets. And I had all these songs that I'd written, but they were my personal journals. And, and it was the first time I ever sang. And it was the first day we sang on the street, and some guy walked by, and he said, uh, would you like to play my nightclub? <gasps> and if we, we thought, like, uh, you know, young American girls, and it ended up being legitimate. And I wonder if that guy hadn't walked by. What would have happened? What would I be doing? And how was that gig in Spain? It was fantastic. Wow. So then that was it. You were inspired to, you're like, this is it. This was it. Okay. So you have engaged your fan base to help you fund your projects. You actually, you did this with Nostalgia Kills. You also did the same thing with California Years originally when you put it out called Jill's Next Record. Yes, it, was, it was before uh, Kickstarter. Right. In fact, I was one of the first to do a kind of tiered level. I had polished rock to weapons grade plutonium. <laughs> And, uh, and in fact, the guys from Kickstarter, they, before they started, they, they had meetings like, how did you how do, do it? And I'm like, what an idiot. Why didn't I think of making it as a business? Or No, but it was fantastic. So w- did you do it on uh, just a web page? Or how did yeah, you? Yeah, I had a friend. We just did it. Because I knew I, I wasn't going to get a record deal, a big one. And I, I have small but mighty fan base. And, and uh and, it, and I had no idea what would happen. What would happen. But, and so the response was great. You're like, I'm actually doing an album here. People have paid for it. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, so what year was that? 2009? 2008. 2008? Yeah. It's clearly different than doing it now. Uh, how, I mean, how has it changed between doing it then and now with your well, current project? It took me forever to do it because back, I was so scared that I wouldn't do as well because back then there was, you know, now you're inundated by people saying, you know, help them with their everything. Their, their everything. Yeah. So there was nothing else like that. CNN and, and other news sources were interested, like, what is this? So I got a lot of publicity for sure. it. And you know what? I stopped at, at a certain level because Perez Hilton, yeah. he put up this really mean, ugly picture of me with dollar signs saying, greedy, 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 awful Jill Sobiel, you know, asking her fans. And so I quit it. And then six months later, everyone starts doing it. And, right. Uh, what a different time for a definition a of greed. Time. Yes. Uh, yes, oh my God. Yeah, right. So now you're doing it you know, for your last album. Uh, in the beginning, you, know, you don't have the, the whole infrastructure. Now it's very clear that you have to offer your fans something kind of authentic and cool as a reward for right. funding. Right. Yeah. So I did try to do it this time like last time. Yeah. So I had some pretty interesting ones. So what did you offer people? Well, as a joke, I had my highest level was... I will put on the record and you will be forever my personal Lord and Savior. <laughs> and Joss Whedon is my personal Lord and Savior. No. Yeah, really. Oh, and then I do theme songs. And, I, I, and Tom Bergeron has a theme song. Oh, that's amazing. I'm just, so uh, anyone want a theme song? Yeah. I want a theme okay, song. you're going to get one. I'll, I'll give you whatever the, the dollar amount is for that level. No, you're free. Oh, Whoa! All right. So in the mid-90s, that's when I discovered you, because you, you have these two big hit songs, uh, Supermodel, that was featured on the Clueless soundtrack, I Kissed a Girl, as you pointed out, the original one. <laughs> you obviously, you're playing live a lot of your life. How often are you playing these songs? You know what? There was, there was a while yeah. that with Kissed a Girl. It was like, you know what? 
because you know I was just the kiss the girl girl and and, and I loved <laughs> I love on one hand it was so great because yeah. that still to this day I get people who are saying you know that song meant a lot to me growing up in Alabama and I wanted a song like that when I, I wish there would have been when I was a kid and I think on the other hand the label didn't they wanted to take away the queerness of it, and they made it a real novel. You know, it's a goofy little novelty right. song. And, and in fact, when we did the, the video, do you remember the video with Fabio in yeah. it? Uh, we were actually, in the video, we were planning on having, it was going to be the first time a same-sex kiss was going to be on, and at the last minute, they nixed it, and they made me look like I had Fabio's baby. Right. But then... Then, you know, I'm taking it back. And I remember when Katy Perry, it was like, now she's the kiss to girl girl. And I was like, hey, buddy, I'm the kiss to girl right. girl after all that time. So I'm proud of it so yeah. much. And, and, it, it, and, I don't, and I'll play it anytime anyone wants to any, Anytime. It's good to know. Yeah. In your new album, Nostalgic Kills, you've said this is your best work. Tell us about this party conversation you overheard that inspired it initially. Yeah, I was at some party and I overheard this conversation and I just walked by and he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm a music publisher and I just tell you, I've known that, you know, people over 40, they can't write songs anymore that are relevant or good. Yeah. And I remember just walking up to these three people, and I was just, and I go, sir, you're an idiot. <laughs> and, and, and I just walked off, and I have no idea who he was, but he's been my nemesis, and it's worked for me, and it made me write this record. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Jill, are you ready to help us with an Ask Me Another Challenge? I would. All right. Jill Sobule, everybody. Let's bring back our contestants, Sam and David, and our house musician, Jonathan Colton. So Jill Sobule is going to help us with the latest in our music parody series where we take things too literally. We rewrote songs by artists that are known by one-word names to be about the literal definition of their one-word name. For example, if we sing Hotline Bling, but with lyrics about a male duck... You would answer Drake. And great news, this game is worth double points. Sam, stay in the lead, and you're in the final round. David, you need to get more points, or from now on, you'll have to go through life with just one name. Disappointment. (laughs) It's the meanest thing we've ever written. That's pretty heavy. All right, ring in to answer. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. First you take some crimson, then you add a little white Then you mix them both together for this A shade that isn't just for girls Sam Pink Pink, that's right Let's Just Give Me a Reason by Pink Baby, I compare you to a sea lion, both pinnipeds You have smaller flippers and no visible ear flaps And you're more quiet and shy Crawl on your belly on land David Seal Seal That's right Kiss from a rose No visible ear flaps Just screws me up One of the ways you tell a seal from a sea lion (laughs) Don't like it Don't like thinking about that Yeah A lot of hair. Dude is hairy and it's all disheveled. Man, he's really quite unkempt. A lot of hair. Picture this, try to comb it, got stuck, didn't make the next attempt. A lot of hair. <laughs> Sam. That would be shaggy. It would be shaggy, <laughs> that's right. Jill's doing a lot of excellent acting over here. <laughs> that was great. I'm loving it. I'm going to say superior version. <laughs> Here's your next one. I'm in the treetop watching my blue eggs. Oh, oh. I'm up with the dawn singing the first song. Oh, oh. You don't know your birds, but you recognize me even so. My red breast is how you'll know. Sam. Robin. 
Robin, dancing on my own, that's right. <laughs> I'm a precious stone Like the heart of the ocean now I'm a precious stone Faceted or polished and smooth boy I'm a precious stone And I'm stuck in a crown Sam. Jewel. Jewel, that's right. <laughs> okay, good. This one is really high. Here we go. If you ever get too close to me This will cause you pain Cause I'm a bee David. Sting. Sting, that's right. (laughs) All right, this is your last clue. And I own all this land now, land now. Feudalism shoots me. I swore allegiance to the king. That means I own everything. I will rule this manor. Manor. I will call you Sir Three. And if you won't serve, won't serve, won't serve, won't serve, then get off my property. <laughs> David. Lord. Lord is correct. That's royal. Oh, Pira, how did, the, how did our contestants do? Oh, uh, what a great game. Sam, congratulations. You are moving on to our final round. And thank you to Jill Sobule. Her latest album is called Nostalgia Kills. Give it up for Jill Sobule. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Brandon Bicer, who won over the audience with his mentions of the Dallas Cowboys and Kylie Jenner. And Sam Grossman, who knows all about Japanese cat wine. Brandon and Sam, your final round is called Month to Month. In this final round, every answer contains the name of one of the 12 months of the year, and there will be repeats. Our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube signed by Tom Arnold and Jill Sobule, so the weirdest thing anyone has ever owned. (laughs) We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Brandon is going first. Here we go. Brandon, she played Betty Draper on Mad Men and Emma Frost in X-Men. January Jones. That is correct. Sam, this playwright's Pittsburgh cycle includes Fences, The Piano Lesson, and Jitney. August Wilson? Yes. Brandon, this celebration, also known as Freedom Day, recognizes the end of slavery and the emancipation of enslaved people in the United States. Three seconds. March on... I'm sorry. (laughs) We were looking for Juneteenth. Sam, he's the Mad Hatter's rabbit tea party companion in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. I don't know. We're looking for the March Hare. Sure. Hmm. Brandon, this is a distress signal and the name of the resistance group in The Handmaid's Tale. Well, I don't watch The Handmaid's Tale. It's not going to help here. Uh, Is this July? (laughs) (laughs) Interesting distress signal. Uh, The answer is May Day. Oh. Sam, she wrote the book Little Women. Louisa May Alcott. That is correct. Brandon, in the 1994 movie adaptation of Little Women, Winona Ryder plays this protagonist. June, June. (laughs) We were looking for Joe March. Sam, Aubrey Plaza played this Parks and Recreation character whose alter ego is Janet Snakehole. April Ludgate. That is correct. We're at the halfway point. Sam is in the lead, three to one. 
Brandon, she became Prime Minister of the UK following David Cameron's resignation. Theresa May. That is correct. Sam, it's the rock band with the number one album, The King is Dead. I don't know. We're looking for The Decemberists. Brandon, in Walk the Line, Reese Witherspoon played this singer-songwriter. Not Johnny Cash. Three seconds. Winona Rhino. Sure. Winona Rhino Brad. Okay. Uh, June Carter Cash is yeah, what we were no, looking nah, for. Nah, nah. Sam, it's the world's largest beer festival, most notably celebrated every year in Munich. Oktoberfest. That is correct. Here's the situation. Sam is in the lead four to two. Brandon, you must get this question right to stay in the game. A famous British folk verse about Guy Fawkes asked the reader to, quote, remember, remember the fifth of this month. Remember, remember, 5th of November? Yes, indeed. Sam, if you get this right, you win. A famous Earth, Wind, and Fire song asks if you remember the 21st night of this month. September. That is correct. Congratulations, Sam. You're our big winner. And that's our show. Ask Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name anagrams to Thou Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Madeline Kaplan and senior writer Karen Lurie with additional material by Emily Winter. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Another is produced by Sylvie Douglas, Mike Cassips, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Ramel Wood, and our intern Alexis Stromer, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Rick Kwan, and David Hurtkin. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House, Hot Heel Blues, our live event sponsor, American Mensa, and our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, happy to hear you're still listening, and since you're still here, why not pop over to Apple Podcasts and write us a review? We love to hear from you, and it helps others find out about our show. For additional information about new episodes, upcoming live shows, road shows, and bonus games, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thanks! Next time on Ask Me Another, actor Diane Guerrero talks about her writing process and immigration activism. I I thought maybe my voice could be an asset. Um, I know what this feels like. I know what family separation is so I decided okay I'll write something and see if it moves the needle in any way so join me Ophira Eisenberg for NPR's hour of puzzles word games and trivia on the TED radio hour researcher Sasha Lucioni says AI can help us find climate solutions but just training the technology itself uses a ton of energy Training ChatGPT, for instance, emits as much carbon as five cars in their lifetime. Tech's climate conundrum. That's on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. On this week's Wildcard, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wildcard podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation.